He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. I hope you had a fine weekend. I hope your week is off to a good start. I appreciate your support of me and my vision of being a headlining comic on the weekends at comedy clubs across the globe. The way you can help me uh, fulfill that vision is by sharing the podcast, sharing Instagram reels, interacting with anything you see I have on Instagram. And generally just saying, this is a funny guy who's got an interesting take on things. Even when I disagree with him, I'm thinking, boy, he sure is funny. Or when I do agree with him and think he's super funny, I'm like, wow, he is really... <laughs> you get it? I appreciate it. Yes, Joe Smith at Gmail. And then, yes, Joe Smith, Instagram. The newest, the latest thing that has happened, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it because it's not a sports cast, it's a sports cast, sports podcast, is that the University of Michigan won the National Football Championship Monday night. And a lot of people cried because Michigan cheated along the way to do it. I understand that reaction. I know it as well as you. you that feeling in your gut, that aggrieved feeling of, hey, they didn't play by the rules. But I need to tell you, and I tell you this from personal experience, cheating is the right way to do things. If you're not cheating, and I hate to say this, but if you're, if, if you're trying to adapt as best you can to the environment, navigate it, succeed at it, you should be cheating. <clears throat> it's just the way it goes. You're, cheat, you, you're trying your best. Is it fair? Nah. Is, if you shake hands with someone and say, hey, I'm not going to cheat, you're not going to cheat, and you cheat, well, you're a cheater, and you have to live with really being a liar, which might be worse than being a cheater. A cheater who lies about it, say like the former president. <laughs> but he didn't succeed in his cheating. That's wild. Here's the thing. Cheating is, the, is who we are. As Americans, maybe as human beings, it's not adaptive for the collective for us to cheat, but it is adaptive at the individual base, at the individual level. But we're not one entity united in the pursuit of the same objective. We are disparate, selfish um, people, people, entities with our own goals. Cheating, who everybody cheats is the damn point of it. I don't like it. But stop expecting people to not cheat, I guess. is what I'm trying to help you be a little, as they say, sadder but wiser. <laughs> of course they cheat. The Houston Astros cheat. The Patriots cheat. Do you think this country wasn't founded on a little bit of cheating? Do you think that the monarchy that preceded this country, another country, wasn't set up on a little bit of cheating? It's what we are. It's who we are. And... and <clears throat> To stand outside of it and say cheater makes you look like a rube. And I'm saying that because I have felt that way. <clears throat> it's a middle class sort of way of thinking about things. It's it's idealistic, which is great. I don't I don't cheat. I don't think. But cheating is the name of the game. 
it's it's what we're sold in this like value system. I'm going to get out of this. I have some funny things to say along the way here. I want to talk about Joe Coy bombing his balls off at the Golden Globes or Grammys or whatever that was the other night. We're cheaters. That's what we do. But in the United States of America, perhaps different than other countries, we pretend like we're not. We hold ourselves out as better and what that really does is it uh, compels a lie. Maybe it's religion. Everything else is. Remember that game we used to play? What the fuck is the problem now? It's religion. <laughs> Think religion doesn't cheat? Anyway. We hold ourselves out as being different. And we're not. We should just embrace cheating. Everybody cheats. Boeing cheats. The U.S. Navy cheats. Everybody cheats because they're trying to win. Michigan won. But what we do is we take this, you know, large section of the socioeconomic stratum, large section of the stratum or stratus, strata. We take this large and try to convince people to put their hands over their heart, tell the truth, don't cheat. And what that does is it sets you up to be taken advantage of by people with power who cheat and just figure that's the name of the game. Why are you being a little baby standing up there saying, Michigan's a cheater? You know, just cheat. But here's the key to doing it. It has to be in alignment with your values. And if your values are, I'm going to adapt to this system and play the game the best I can so I can win a championship or get the job I want or the house I want, then you're in accordance with your own values. And if you cheat, cut corners, do all of that to get to the finish line, try to get over on people and institutions, You'll sleep well at night because you're like, this is who I am and who I want to be. You're going to get in trouble if your stupid parents like myself and my wife can raise you up to think that you should tell the truth and you shouldn't cheat. And you should look people in the eye and do all this stuff that sets you up to be taken advantage of by more powerful people. Then you're going to have trouble sleeping at night. <laughs> tell me, Frank, late at night when the demons come, let's just not be so. Where is there not cheating? Oh, look at the newspaper. What's a newspaper? <laughs> Cheating is everywhere. It's just I feel like in this country, or maybe it's because I live here. We try to pretend that we don't do it. It's, it's the, it's, this is the American hypocrisy. Do this over here, or this is how it's really done, but I'm going to tell you it's done like this. You know what it reminds me of, frankly? It reminds me of artificial intelligence because every day I feel like Companies are warning us about the dangers of artificial intelligence. And then the very next slide you see says, hey, we're that company that was just talking about how dangerous this is, but also use AI to give us more money. Which do you want? It's the American hypocrisy, isn't it? Hey, we're going to help you bomb the shit out of this little strip mall for, you know, what are we on now? One month, two months, come, or three months into bombing the shit out of this strip mall, running up the score needlessly, ruthlessly, inhumanely. Uh, but hey, st but uh, we're going to help you do it, but stop fucking doing it. And like, if you're the country that is bombing the other one into smithereens, you're like, well, which is it, USA? Do you want me to do this or do you not want me to do this? Don't you feel like that with AI? 
AI, coming threats, dangers. IBM says it could be this. And then you watch the football game and IBM's like, hey, check out AI. It's pretty badass. It's saving us money. <laughs> what do you want with my life? AI. I'm the truth like AI. I know that anybody listening to this podcast is unlikely to have watched that show that was on the other night. I said the Golden Globes. I think it's the Golden Globes. It's not the Grammys. I know enough about the industry to know. The Golden Globes comes early in the year, and I think it sets up the race for the Oscars, which will not impact any of us, I don't think. However, I am aware, I didn't watch it, but I am aware, and here's how I found out. A friend of mine, sometime Sunday night or whenever, it was Sunday night, right, Sunday night, there, there are the Oscars. They're not the Oscars, dude. They're the Golden Globes. Somebody, I'll, I'll tell you exactly, and I'm not going online. I'm just going to go into my phone to see what this person said. Comic, uh, non-comic to comic. Uh, what did she say? She sent me a text. The Golden Globes happened. Sunday night. And she sent me a text saying, at 8.13 p.m. Pacific, she sent me a text saying, who the hell is Joe Coy? <laughs> he sucked. And I sent back a bunch of laughing emojis. It would really. And then uh, here's exactly what I sent back. I sent back three laughing, crying emojis. I said, really? And then I said, he's a monster. Sells out arenas around the world. And then she sent back. Huh. He doesn't strike any chords with me. He seemed nervous. I don't if if you wrote in tell me I'm not going to I'm not going to go watch his monologue but it sounds like Joe Coy who is hilarious and one of the biggest comics it's not an exaggeration to say one of the biggest comics in the world he sells out arenas across the world that qualifies as one of the biggest comics in the world and if you go watch the first 10 minutes of his special that he filmed in Hawaii called Coming In Hot, the first 10, 15 minutes is some of the most racist, hilarious material you will ever hear. Oh my, a killing in front of the people that he's being, you know, I don't, whatever. Who's to say it's racist? The people, you know, people of the groups that he... He's a Filipino-American comic uh, just blowtorching different types of Asian people in front of different types of Asian people. <clears throat> Do with it what you want. I'm not, But he's murdering in an arena in Hawaii. And it's pretty darn funny. But if you see him murdering in the first 10, 15 minutes of coming in hot, <laughs> sleeper, 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 you might understand why he is not going to have a strong set at the Golden Globes. They're different crowds. I don't even know what the Golden Globes is like, but I historically perceive the film and the film business to be among the most self-important, pretentious groups of people, that is white, groups of people ever assembled in a room. 
And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of me being 23 and thinking that's how you're supposed to be. Dating, I was dating a girl who would refer to movies, like, you want to go to the movies? She'd say, would you like to go see a film? It was so bad, the pretense, and I know it's the age. The pretense was so great that I would, I would, somebody would say, hey, you want to go to the bar? And I'd say, no, I'm going to see a film. I'm going to see, you know, some dreary Jane Campion. <laughs> that was the only name that came to mind because I was thinking there was that movie where Harvey Keitel was naked and screaming. Which one? All of them. How many times have you seen Harvey Keitel's Keitel? The one with Holly Hunter, the piano. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, let's go check it out. And and by the way, be more mature. I'm talking to me, myself now, myself when I was however old, 20, when I saw that, whatever it was. In any case, I get it. It's pretentious where there's a craft and... It's something, you know, that it's, it's the film business, I think, is easy. Filmmakers are easy to make fun of because they sound like they're saving the world. And you know what that is? That's pretty killer because they're artists. Now, if you're making these stupid superhero movies where it's like just dumb lines and square jaws, no, you're making the world worse. You're simplifying it into just good and bad. And the world's not like that. And you're eliminating complexity and you're causing uh, underrepresented groups to be pigeonholed. And you know what I mean? But if you're, if you're, a, if you're a filmmaker who's an artist, you're, you believe this little picture could change the world. However, not everybody's like, I don't know. Also, I got a book. I just, I, I just remembered. This is, I, I was obviously not going anywhere with that. Other than, well, I'm, I'm going to get there. I got a book called, somebody got me a book for Christmas called, yeah, I think it's called Easy Riders and uh, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls. When, when, filmmake the, when maverick filmmakers saved the industry in the 70s. I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast, and, and I've only read like the first 10 pages of it because it's been the holidays. and I have a five-year-old. But it's, it's all about, there was this time in Hollywood where it wasn't the machine that it is now. They didn't know how to make money. So they just let all these kind of hippie, you know, independent, not necessarily hippie politically, but, you know, anything, by the way, that was referred to as challenging the system or the power structure was dismissed as hippies, right? And that's not all who was doing that, you know. In any case, this book, Raging Bulls and Easy Riders, is about, you know, the filmmakers like um, like Marty, like Scorsese and Coppola and uh, even smaller people, Peter Bogdanovich and Robert Altman. And, uh, you want me to read the book to you? Um, I think Bill Duke is in there. Just There was this time of like, the studio was like, I don't know, here's a bunch of money, go make Chinatown. Polanski. <laughs> um, anyway, I got this book, Raging Bulls, and Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, and I look forward to digging into it. And Peter Bogdanovich left his wife and got hooked up with 18-year-old Sybil Shepherd. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here to read this. So those guys, yeah, what am I saying? There's a bit of pretense in, in uh, filmmaking. There's a fucking lot of pretense. The piece. Anytime 
But maybe is it my hate and uh, being a hater that is and being uncomfortable with referring to art as the art or just I don't you know or is it really pretentious? You know when someone I write something and someone refer I have a Hollywood friend who I remember I told you I sent that I have a short story I I I wrote it and I sent it to her and she left a nice uh, thoughtful voicemail around talking about the piece. Now, it's just a simple way, and she's not a pretentious person, but to me it sounds a little pretentious, you know? Anyway, Joe Coy is performing in front of people who really, really believe in what they're doing. Why am I? I'm not hating on that. But it can seem pretentious. It can seem self-important, especially, you know, if you step you know, 20 miles outside of Los Angeles or in between any big city in the country, you'll see people who are out there like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, comics who go on the road, people who tour, people who travel for work, who see that the country is not the same, except it is same in the cities, different in between the cities. And that's a generalization. But Joe Coy is in, fr- Joe Coy is in front of this very self-important audience. And apparently he bombed. And you know what? As the saying goes, you don't want to kill for everybody. I think he bombed. I think he bombed in front of the. I think he, you want to bomb in front of that group. What I understood happened, and maybe I should watch it, but I, I don't. I'm not going to. What I understood took place, though, is he let them know he knew he was bombing, but he did it in a way where he's like. Come on, guys, and that, which is, you know, you have the most powerful Hollywood people in the world, and then this huge television audience, I imagine he might have, he might have, uh, you know, sweated a little bit in that moment. Whereas, I think Ricky Gervais was the guy who hosted it before and made everybody mad, and if he was bombing, he doesn't give a fuck. Joe Coy strikes me as someone who cares, and uh, that's a, that's a really tough thing to do when you bomb when you bomb it's to care about the audience because they're saying fuck you we're rejecting everything you think of and then for you to be pummeled in that situation to say come on guys don't you like me it's only going to make them more it's hate you more am i telling joe coy about stand-up comedy no i think i'm trying to translate for you what i imagine happened at something none of us watched or cared about until i mentioned it other than non-comics, like, who is this guy? I'm like, he is a monster. But nobody in the room probably knew who he was, right? He, 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 even though he can sell out arenas around the globe, very few people in that room uh, probably knew his, uh, his voice. They might have known, oh, that's Joe Coy, and he brings this economic value to this proposition. You know, they probably knew him as like a business sense, like, oh, well, that's... You know, that's something we're not or whatever. And apparently his set was rough right out of the gate. And he never got on track. And I think that's good. Good for him. You you want to bomb in front of... You know, you don't want to bomb in front of people who are good audiences. And good audiences who realize they're being told jokes. Good audiences realize... This is making fun of things. This is not a personal attack. 
This is not uh, this is not about you, frankly. You want you know that's what you want to do. You want to play in front of an audience that's not self-important. This is not about you. These are some jokes. I'm going to say some shit about this person, this group of people, these people. There's going to be a little bit, hopefully a lot of truth in what I'm saying. We'll all have a laugh. We'll have a little bit of champagne. And we'll look at your little movies you made on TV. On, on TV. <laughs> look, you know, and we'll give you some awards. We're going to have this thing for you guys to congratulate yourself. That's not, that does not strike me as who that audience is. You don't want to play that audience. And you know what? You don't want to kill with that audience. Because if you do, you're probably subjugating the word I want. Uh, subordinating yourself. You're probably lowering yourself and self-deprecating quite a bit. And that's, you know, whether they see you and the world like that, you're making that a reality for them by saying, audience, you're better than I am. Joe Coy bombed. And then I get, I don't know, Joe Coy bombed, but I think that's good. I don't think you want to kill him for that audience. You want an audience that can laugh at itself, like those people in Hawaii in his special coming out hot, that realize he's not coming with malice. You know why? Because they're not as self-important as the people sitting in that auditorium in Los Angeles who have such wonderful existences that they can afford to be offended. They can take the time to... Think about, should I laugh at this? It doesn't sound like the material was that strong either. And then apparently <laughs> he said, he stopped in the middle and said, what? I just got this job a week ago. So call me, friend. You've seen from my Instagram reels, I could get you 10 minutes of good jokes that wouldn't alienate that entire crowd. But they have to at least, you know what I mean. I'm going to write for Joe Coy from now on. <laughs> You want to kill for the crowd in Hawaii. You don't want to kill for a bunch of rich people in the film industry. It's good on you. What I So anyway, apparently he stopped and, and said, what? I just got the job 10 minutes ago. And then he said, some of these are good. And something to the effect of the ones that are good, I wrote. And if I'm backstage, they're like, hey, man, I get it. You can use me. as I'll be collateral damage. Because now he's going down in flames. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I shit on the writers that helped me, who probably is like their dream job. Helped me get 10 minutes together or whatever it was over the last week or so since I got the job that nobody else wanted. And that's why I'm here. That's where he should have doubled down. And again, I have not seen this with my own eyes, so I don't really know what happened. But I trust that you you saw it. That's where he had an opportunity. When he said he realized he's bombing, instead of, uh, instead of saying, what? What do you expect? I got it 10 days ago. He could have said, I got this job 10 days ago. You know why I got it 10 days ago? Because nobody else wanted it. Nobody else wanted to. And he would have had to double and triple down. Nobody else wanted to play in front of this fucking group because you're all too sensitive. And that's why nobody outside of Los Angeles can connect to these ideas and these uh, pretentious works of quote-unquote art you're making because you can't laugh at yourself. You're not self-aware. You're, you're in a cocoon, a bubble. You're a coastal elite like that guy down in San Diego recording that podcast. 
and double and triple down. Nobody wanted this. You all want diversity. Well, here comes some diversity in Chris Rock, or here comes some diversity in Gerard Carmichael, and they're going to say some wild shit, and you're going to be like, oh, I'm not sure. I, I just meant diversity. Hollywood just meant diversity in, like, the color of the person's skin. They don't mean, like, oh, we're going to give them, like, keys to the castle diversity, and they're going to come in and change some shit, some shit, and really present a different perspective and a different way of looking at things that might make me a little uncomfortable. Okay, <laughs> I'm just sort of, that's what he could have done. He could have said, nobody else wanted this job. That's why I'm here, bombing in front of you. That's how bad you crowd are. That, that's what you should do, just attack the crowd. That is how bad you are. Is that they knew I would bomb and they still gave me the gig. Because you're a terrible audience. Much was made out of a meme of Taylor Swift. He made some dumb joke. And Taylor Swift, you know, on the positive side of the ledger in my house, ooh, look what you made me do. Look what you made me. Look what you just made me. What is that that she, that, that she did? I want to sort of stay out of the gutter, but if you could indulge me, what, what is it, what is it that, that other thing made her do? That's the art. The art is up for interpretation. The art takes place when the audience translates the artist's work, which is true, right? That's why we don't explain lyrics, movies, jokes. The art is in the interpretation. But much was made of the fact that he made some dumb joke. And what does Taylor Swift do? You know, maybe, I don't know. I didn't see it. That's the problem. But I understood she made a face like, that wasn't funny at all. Which I'm thinking, if you're Taylor goddamn Swift, and you're a performer, and believe it or not, she's had rough gigs in her career, I'm sure, and she sees Joe Coy bombing his balls off, and she has 78 trillion followers on Instagram, she should be secure enough to throw the bone at Joe Coy, throw him a bone, and just kind of laugh and chuckle. Man, this guy's eating a bag of dicks. I've been there. I remember when I fought my way up through the Nashville stand-up, not stand-up, Nashville music scene. Everybody was this and that. And I could have used just somebody to say, you know, I heard you missed that note. You strummed the chord wrong, but <laughs> that was a great song. Hey, thanks. That's all I needed. Why didn't she do that for Joe Coy? Why didn't she? She could have done that for Joe Coy instead of what I understand to be a meme-worthy I'm looking down at you, which I'm sure the Swifties love because they fucking love anything she does. But the Taylor, next time this happens, throw the guy a bone. You know what I mean? You're Taylor Swift. You don't have to look down. on. And, and you're a fellow performer who's bombed. He's eating a truck on stage. Just if we you know the camera's going to pan to you, just laugh like, ha, <laughs> That was fucking stupid. But just give him a bone. Don't make it worse. Because now everybody else is going to see your reaction and say, well, Taylor Swift has said it was a shitty show. I don't know. I'm thinking performer to performer, Taylor. I don't expect those other uptight whites in that room to throw him a bone, but you could have done that. You don't want to do well in front of that crowd. So Joe Coy is a monster. You should go watch his comedy and... 
uh, especially that first 10, 15 minutes of coming in hot. Oh, my God. And then picture, if you will. Dig, if you will, a picture. You and I engaged in a kiss. The sweat of your body covers me. Can you, my darling? Can you picture? Dream, if you will, a courtyard. You and I. Rest in peace, Prince, my God. While you're watching the first 10 or 15 minutes of Joe Coy's special, Coming In Hot, imagine, and this is not like, why can't we say the word? This is not what I'm saying. But imagine me doing that material in front of those people. <laughs> and I would not, I would have to go all the way, but imagine me doing that material. I think I can pull it off. I posted a reel yesterday. The real thing I think is working. People are starting. To, I'm gaining followers slowly but surely. And you know what? Each each reel now, and I shouldn't jinx it, gets like more than two thousand views. So I think it's gonna. I think it's working. I'm just gonna keep doing it and keep doing it. And any comics who listen to this podcast, what I want to tell you, I get out of this more than anything. Putting up these daily reels with some comment or joke about the news. It's really good joke writing practice. It's really good joke writing practice. Something happens, and your job as a comic is to translate the times, translate the world for people in a humorous way. And some of it will be hack because it's happening so fast, or not hack, but like lowest common denominator, you know, the first available joke. But it's a great exercise. I'm in the, I'm in the right now, I'm in the 8 a.m. creative hour. When I'm not recording a podcast, I'm going to be, I'm using the 8 a.m. podcast, the 8 a.m., sorry, creative hour to look at, okay, there's a plane crash, there's Trump, these allegations with Epstein, there is a, a Harvard professor, a Harvard president who uh, was fired, there is, what was the one I put up yesterday? Oh, about uh, the defense secretary being missing for four days. Nobody knew where the cabinet member was, the secretary of defense. That's the fact that this is not more of a news story highlights what a bizarre world we live in since we've had Donald Trump on our radar. All due respect to my MAGA listeners. I'm just saying, apolitically, it's pretty wild that the president did not know where the secretary of defense was for like four days. While World War III is on the verge of kicking off, if it hasn't kicked off already. But you, 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 you I have that up on my radar. I have, uh, like I said, the Harvard, whatever one I did the other day about, I felt like it deserved more. I was trying to make a joke about the NRA. Here, comics, I'm going to stop the point. It's great practice to try to, to challenge yourself to get jokes out of what happens day to day because you're translating the times. And there can be a little bit of like, you know, fast food, cotton candy to it. But also there are days where you look like, I don't know what's, what's happening here. There's not much interesting. I, that's when I'm challenging myself to, to find something, some, some funny take on it. And the, the best I could do yesterday, and it's not sterling, but... You know, it, it's 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 going, I think, a little bit. Last I checked, it had more than 40 likes. It's pretty good. A couple thousand views, something like that. It's not the greatest percentage, but I don't know what a great percentage is. I know I'm getting followers. People are interacting. But the best take I could come up with is, I know, like, Biden, 
say what you want about the guy. He's a pretty chill boss because, you know, you go out on January 31st, you have a big one, you play through January 1, next day, January 2nd, everybody goes back to work. You say, fuck it. You don't go back to the 3rd, the 4th. It's only on the 4th when Biden picks up the phone to wonder where you are. You're the Secretary of Defense. It's, he's all... He, he doesn't know where you are in the second, third. You no-call, no-show. Can you imagine not showing up for your job? Forget about the fact that your job is to defend the United States of America. You wield that power and that responsibility, and you just tell your boss to go fuck himself. Or your boss is like, hey, Lloyd, take, take your time. Do what you need. Uh, go, go stretch your legs, circle back. That whole chain of command thing. Bro, it's me. It's Diamond Joe. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's, that's the best I could do, you know? Like, but, it, but it's a good exercise. It's good for the brain. It's good for the comedy muscles. And in doing that, I learned the most amazing thing. Get your head around this. Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, is 70 years old. Okay? He's... 70 years old. There is a 70-year-old man, just I'm reducing it to its basic attributes. There is a 70-year-old man. His boss is 11 years older than he is. Lloyd Austin is 70 years old. And his boss is 81. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? How many 70-year-olds in your life do you know working? And just as a bit of an asterisk, how many 70-year-olds who are working really have a boss? Because most 70-year-olds, if they're still working, don't have a boss because they're usually just entrusted in some emeritus status. They're maybe paid a little bit of money. They're sort of over there in the corner doing their thing. They don't really have someone uh, checking in on them. They don't really have deliverables, right? Do they? Do 70-year-olds really have that? I'm not sure they do. <laughs> so imagine a 70-year-old man has a job. Then imagine that 70-year-old man has a boss. Then... Imagine that boss is 81 years old. The only thing he should be telling Lloyd Austin to do is to go clean the bedpans. A seven, who has a boss that's 70, let alone an employee who's 70, whose boss is 81 years old? If you went to Hollywood and you said, I have an idea for a sitcom. It's about a 70-year-old man who has an 81-year-old boss. They'd say it's too unbelievable. No, no, no. It's the President of the United States of America and the Secretary of Defense. Biden is 11. Biden's 81. I just can't get my head around it. I can't get my head around it, but I wouldn't have known that, and I'm not going to get a ton of material out of it, had I not 
had I not been doing this daily real thing. So comics, it's a good, it's a good habit to, to write about what's happening. You know, I'm not a big, I realize my material, if I can translate it for you, has so fucked, and now I'm like a Hollywood audience. What I do is I take all these things that happen and, and sort of aggregate them up, hopefully, into larger themes, right? And so I'm not like, my, my set list is not like, did you see Biden this and that? And it's more like comments about that rather than that. It's, it's meta humor. <laughs> but digging in everyday comics or anybody else who you know wants to spark their brain, you just slow down, try to look at everything and, and see what comes to you is a good good habit. I wanted more out of this NRA, like, like last week, the NRA, the CEO of the NRA who's 74. What are we doing? You know what? From now on, I'm all for age discrimination. If, if they're like important jobs. If it's like, you know, greeters at Walmart. No, not at all. The smiling folks at Costco who let me just sail through and feel fulfilled with my consumerism. No, I'm not talking about you. I'm, I think I'm going to start supporting. Like The guy who ran the NRA was 74 years old. I thought, okay, there's something in here. He's resigning right before his trial starts. Right, He's facing corruption charges from the New York Attorney General. So I just think about that, like I think about it on a run, or I walk the dogs, or I, whatever I'm doing. There's something in there, something in there. I know what it is. Some people are always talking about standing your ground, and right when the going gets tough, this guy walks out the door. He doesn't stand his ground at all. So then, I'm at a precipice. Do I go in on him and say, what a pussy, and then all that's going to do is alienate exactly the gun-owning population? which is not what I want to do. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to drive people away. I'm trying to make fun of all of us and not let any of us off the hook. I think that's what I'm trying to do. I do have a perspective. You know where I stand, you know how I vote. But I don't want it to be just uh, you know, T-ball, here's this anti-NRA joke. So, I start it but it kind of gets to that anyway. I'm like, "Okay, here what I have is This the leader of the man who embodies is meant to embody stand your ground, uh, is not doing that. Okay, that's funny, <laughs> but it's not like ah. And then I realized that the New York Attorney General is a black woman named Letitia James, and so then like oh you can kind of make the connection. I'm gonna flip it around and say the guy deserves our respect, Wayne Lapierre, because he showed gun owning white Americans. That when you do feel threatened by a black person or a person of color, I should have said black person, but I said person of color because I, I let's be specific when who we're talking. Let's not just paint with a, such a broad brush because the cops and the gun owners are killing black Americans. That's who they're killing, they're not just killing this generic POC. Anyway, I said what he did by stepping down is he showed. Other gun-owning white Americans, and I'm not gun-loving, gun-owning white Americans, that even if you find yourself threatened by a person of color, a black woman, a black person who's made you feel very, very uncomfortable and that you might be in danger. You know, I didn't, I didn't, 
I didn't execute it that well. But you know why? Because I was under the gun. This is what why the exercise is good. That it's okay to just walk away. You don't always have to stand your ground. And that's more like a, it's not hilarious, but it's like a claptery kind of thing, which I don't love. But it was a clever guy. That's what it was, clever. I was like, I put it up because I thought it was clever enough that I've made the connection between him not standing his ground while being uh, threatened by a black woman, Letitia James. And maybe that's a model for other people. Keep in mind that you can just walk away. Where I thought the really good joke was that I made too fast on my reel was that, or I didn't, it could have used a little image. And I'm not going to be that guy who puts images up. Or that's what I'm going to say. And tomorrow I'll have a bunch of videos playing while I'm talking. Who knows? I'll be like Alvin Choir, Mookie G. Or Marvin Hunter, LeVar Walker. All these, everybody that I love just talks to videos. I'm, gonna tr I'm trying to not do that. I don't know why. Because You know why? Because I don't want to take the time to get the video and then load it and all that stuff. It's really a, it's a, a technical limitation as much as anything. I should have, with an image or two, I think it might have gone. Or maybe it didn't go. Here was, here was the joke I was trying to make. Wayne LaPierre, the CEO of the NRA, is being replaced by a man um, named Andrew Aru... Oh, fuck, I forgot his name now. Aruljanam? That's not right. Aru what is his name? I wrote it down on a piece of paper recently. Where is it? Oh, Andrew Arulanandam. He's being replaced by a guy named Andrew Arulanandam. And I got the pronunciation right because I'd see, I, I asked a couple Indian friends, and they're like, you're saying it. You say, so you say, great, maybe soften that A at the end because you sound too, it sounds too good. <laughs> right? That's why my Indian friends, my Indian friends, I really appreciate the way they counsel me on how to pronounce certain Indian names. Because they tell me the way to say it, so I don't sound like um, I don't sound like um, Barney from Nowheresville. Just like, how do you say that name? Is that Arujalanda Nandam? They keep me away from saying that, but they also tell me, hey, don't go too hard because then you'll sound like the wokest dude saying Los Angeles. Or yes, waiter, I'll have some guacamole. Right? They, they tell me to say it in a way that sounds like correct and respectful, but not like, like I, you know, am, <laughs> am going too far into it. Aru, Aru, whatever I just said his name is, Andrew Arulanandam. And I wanted to bring that Indianness into it, right? But I don't want to say the word India because it gives away the punchline. The NRA is also going to change his name to Cowboys and Indians, which I thought was really funny when I came up with it. I think it would be funny in a club, but I have to, you have to have the right amount of people thinking about Indian people when you hear the name Arulanandam. I, you know, I should have said, I should have eliminated Andrew from it. The new uh, leader, the new CEO of the NRA, his last name is Arulanandam. Uh, and because of this, the NRA is changing its name to Cowboys and Indians. And dogs barking.
that make sense what I was trying to do there? Oh my gosh, look at the time. And you know what? The time is taking me past, ah, it's 9.05 on the East Coast. I got to post this. Have a great week. Get in touch. Complain, praise, all the things. Be good to one another. <laughs> and go check out Joe Coy coming in hot.